think tonality is so important for sure because it you know helps your credibility with the customer. It impacts completely how your messages are received, or even the the way you ask questions. So I think tonality is very important. So yeah, I think how I'd go deeper here is so number one, first we need to identify that the rep actually knows how their tone comes across, and I think that's. Playing back how they sound, how the type of response that is elicited by the customer is the first step, and then the second step is, you know, just providing direct feedback. Hi, friends! Welcome to the Sales Enablement Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Paul. Now that was Nicole Porter. Nicole is a sales lead for retail at Shopify, and she was the winner, the big winner, of RingDNA's recent Top Sales Coach competition. Now, if you hadn't heard about that contest, in it, we had sales managers and sales coaches from around the world submitting videos of themselves coaching some standard rep calls that we had recorded. And the public voted on who they thought the top coaches were. They narrowed down the field to a handful of semifinalists. And then our panel of esteemed judges chose the winner, which was Nicole. So in this conversation, I talk with Nicole about her rapid career progression at Shopify. And we dig into how Nicole coaches her own team members. And she shares tips about what she does to prepare for these coaching sessions. We also delve into the types of things that Nicole is looking for in terms of coachable moments with her sellers. So all this and much, much more. But before we get to Nicole, let me say that as always, we are incredibly thankful and grateful for all of you who listen to the show. Uh, without you, we are nothing. So we're humbled by your support and we'll work hard to continue to earn your attention in future shows. All right, let's jump into it. Nicole, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Andy. It's such a pleasure to have you here. As uh, we announced in the introduction, Nicole was the big winner of Ringdenay's top sales coach competition. And the grand prize, the prize that really mattered, was a guest appearance on the show. So here you are. Here I am. Honestly, yeah. completely honored. Was a little bit of a shock to me because um, just from the other caliber of, you know, folks who also applied, um, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm really just honored. So. Thanks. No, you did a fabulous job. Fabulous job. So, um, yeah, I think that that I mean, my <laughs> my takeaway was the first time I I watched your entry was like, oh yeah, this person's really good. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, if you were a, a young rep being coached and mentored by you, it's like, yeah, you'd feel comfortable, you'd feel welcomed, you'd feel you're in the right environment. So. Congratulations, and we'll we'll talk about that a little bit. So, for sure. Um, so, tell us a little bit about your journey in sales. So, how how did you get in sales in the first place? Yeah, that's a good question. So, I guess I'll kick it a little back when I started out in university. Really, went into university not really knowing exactly what I wanted to do. Like most, you know, <laughs> like young most of us. Yeah, yeah. Like that most hasn't changed in decades. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, going into university, I came into it kind of going, uh, taking a general approach. I knew I liked the arts and I knew I, you know, I wanted to dabble in business from taking various courses in high school. Mm -hmm. So ended up taking uh, a triple major. So wow. yeah, it was a long program. So dabbled in business, 
speech communication and legal studies. Because essentially my parents were like, hey, if you're not going to be in STEM and you're not going to be a doctor, um, <laughs> they, they, were, they essentially were like, you can go into business or you can be a lawyer. So I decided to you know, diversify in the courses I took. So basically anything but the arts was what they were telling you. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Im- immigrant parents, my, my dad was a refugee. So really they, they wanted me to take a safe approach. Cause they were like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, we took, you know, we made some sacrifices coming into Canada. I'm a first generation Canadian and they just wanted me to have like a safe, successful career. So went into, uh, <laughs> went to, to university, not really knowing what to right. expect. Um, luckily I went to university of Waterloo, which has an excellent co-op program. Mm -hmm. So what that means is I was, you know, I took my courses and then every four months I've, I'd be working at, uh, in in a corporate job at a company. Those are incredibly valuable too. My, my daughter went to Northeastern university in the United States, which is also very well known for having a a co-op program. mm -hmm. And yeah, and I've interviewed people from Northeastern um, who had done co-ops. And it's like, yeah, it gives you a big leg up in terms of sort of beginning to understand what the real world is like and what you want to do. Exactly. So exactly did just that. I, you know, I had my first internship was a legal assistant at Bank of America. (laughs) Uh, I quickly learned after that internship that I did not want to be a lawyer um, (laughs) just because it just wasn't for me. Um, and then worked at various tech companies, worked at BlackBerry for a few years, um, worked at another SaaS technology platform, uh, doing various marketing and communications type roles. And ultimately, once I got out of university, I knew I knew a couple of things. I knew I liked working with people. I liked, you know, the communication side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but really what I knew... I guess like all sales professionals, not everyone inherently is like, I want to be in sales, but I did know no. I liked being in front of customers. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a part of my internships, I had customer facing type roles. Um, and I think after university, I essentially, I just wanted to move out of Kitchener Waterloo and wanted to <laughs> land a job in the big city. So um, how far is, is Kitchener Waterloo from Toronto? It's about, just under two hours. Okay. So I knew that. I knew what my general broad, broad skill set was. I had various communication and marketing type jobs on my resume coming out of university, which was great. And I ended up landing in uh, my first out of university job, which was at a recruitment consultancy. Um, but what was unique about this role was it was a 360 sales type role. So in this in this job, you're essentially doing the recruitment aspect of the role, but you're also mm-hmm. sourcing your own jobs that you were hiring right. for. So, so there was full, a business full cycle, yeah. Exactly, full right. cycle. So I loved it. Um, I did. I, I excelled really well at it um, after a year of doing it. And to be honest, it was a boiler room type, uh, <laughs> sure. traditional type sales environment. We all, have, we all have to start in that type of thing. So exactly. What were you recruiting for? What type of positions? Digital marketing space. So okay. uh, yeah, across all di- worked across all kinds of different types of industries. Um, but really, in this role, what I learned was you know some hard sales skills, cold calling, mm-hmm. really developed a thick skin. Mm-hmm. And um, what I found from this job is that I loved sales. And 
what I didn't like was the recruitment or the people, um, I guess the HR type component talent (laughs) portion of the role, but I knew I kept the people part of it. Exactly. The people part of it, but I knew I kept wanting to, you know, develop my career in sales and business development. So fast forwarding a little bit, um, went on to ironically work at a law firm in business (laughs) development. So kind of going back to my, you know, pre-law roots. um, Just just literally before we got on this call uh, to record this as I was doing another interview with a person who started their career. They had become a lawyer, but he really found that he enjoyed the client acquisition part better than being a lawyer. So he spent a couple of years before getting into a sales role is, is uh, yeah, doing client acquisition for a law firm. That's amazing. Um, it's And it's funny that you say that because, so I was in the client acquisition side of the business, mm-hmm. but what I found, so Spent three years here, excelled pretty quickly, ended up, you know, managing business development for one of the largest portfolios at, at an international law firm. But what I found was I was missing the, um, you know, the face-to-face component of the sales because it was more so business development through events, through, uh, you know, content curation, through, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so really the the folks who got the FaceTime, the most FaceTime with the clients were the lawyers themselves. Right, right. So after spending three years here, um, and actually because it was more of a nine to five job, um, simultaneously while during this time, I also started my own business. Um, so started uh, a business running pop-ups in Toronto. So essentially pop-up markets where, you know, retailers or small businesses would sell in person at events. So we try to target to, you know, millennials, have DJs, have drinks and have essentially throw shopping events in in Toronto. So did that. So just not, just not, just not around the holidays, like the Christmas and Halloween pop-ups we see all over, but, but it'd be an event that sort of a standalone event. Exactly. And they were hosted around big shopping events. So We would have them in the spring when, you know, folks would be focused on wellness. Mm-hmm. We'd have them uh, pre-holiday were, of course, our biggest events. And then, yeah, we would, ha- we would have them all season round. So Got that it. is kind of a sidebar of what I was doing on the side just because, um, you know, I was hungry just to do more. And that's when I stumbled upon Shopify. And really what I was looking for after, you know, uh, during my law firm experience is I mm-hmm. wanted more traditional sales again, um, right. but in a space that I was passionate about. And because I started the side hustle working naturally with a lot of merchants and sellers, yeah, um, I was makes able- sense. exactly the stars could just kind of align for me. And so I've been at Shopify for almost or actually three years in February now. And yeah, it's just been, my journey has, has lifted off pretty quickly. Started as well, a, Yeah. You've been promoted like three or four times already <laughs> in that period. Yeah. So started as an account executive and then within the three years that I've been selling, here. Selling to who? Yes. So backing up a little bit. So selling to brick and mortar retailers. So Shopify, if for those who don't know what Shopify is, we're a commerce platform mm-hmm. to allow businesses of businesses of all sizes sell in person and online. So my team specifically sells to brick and mortar retailers. Still the team you manage today does that. 
Exactly. Yeah. Okay. In North America, Canada, where, what's the territory? Yeah. So today we are everywhere uh, that we have Shopify payments. So essentially UK, uh, Ireland, US, Canada, and we're starting to dabble into Asia Pacific right now, which Got is it. interesting. So my team is just kind of selling everywhere at this point. But the segment that we sell to are um, SMB and mid-market. And we're, we're beginning to go up market. So, so mom, posh, retail shops, as well as, yeah, it could be more established. You said it's our mid-market. Not, you're not selling to the national consumer brands. Sometimes, yes. Uh, oh, okay. our, pro our product isn't quite in the enterprise space as of yet, but okay. I would say, you know, up to 100 million in GMV. Got it. Okay, cool. So mm -hmm. what's, what's are the, the biggest challenge of selling into that type of environment? Especially, let's say, during the last 12 months. Yeah, that's a really good question. I, I would say in the last 12 months, um, inherently retail services, hospitality are mm -hmm. you know, the industries that got have got hit the most. We're in a lockdown here in Toronto and we're going to be, all shops are going to have to be forced to close until December. And really this is when retailers are more, making usually 40, 40, 50%, sometimes more of their right. annual sales or revenue. So it's tough. It's it's been a tough year in, for for our industry for sure or for the mm -hmm. retailers that we sell to, um, but our team has been really able to pivot. Luckily, Shopify is a commerce platform, so if you know you physically can't sell in person because your short stores are shut, you're still able to sell online. So right. we we have just pivoted the products that we're selling, and then you know for retailers. Your, you know, your stores are not your only mode that you can sell. Um, of course, you can use your, you know, your stores as a distribution channel to um, fulfill your online orders, for example. Or right. you can also offer things like uh, curbside pickup. Yeah, I was going to say curbside pickup for people to come by and get it. Exactly. Yeah, I hadn't, yeah, think about it because we're recording this uh, two days before Thanksgiving in the U.S. So. Yeah, I mean the big retail season kicks off in three days, and yeah, wow, I hadn't really thought until you just mentioned it, that with the shutdown is is yeah, it's one thing to be closed in March and April, but this is the time of year, mm -hmm. and it's a global thing too. In the UK, I think they they've already been in lockdown, and they will be in lockdown until I think I believe it's December second. Yeah, and December second, the they're coming out. Yeah, likelihood of that extending is probably is is likely probable yeah um, so it's definitely tough for retailers who've taken a lot of hits this year yeah and are you finding though with without veering too far off course but is is are the the small retailers able to take advantage of the platform to you know start doing curbside pickup and and e-commerce though when they've traditionally been predominantly you know walk-in traffic foot traffic yeah no 100 percent, and that's that's how we've tried to pivot as well. Um, generally, like we're in the business of actually helping entrepreneurs. So um, the the small wins are number one, if you're a mom and pop shop who've never sh shopped or who've never, you know, focused on online sales before, we're, we're helping them 
get quick wins and start getting their products online. Mm-hmm. And then on the on the flip side, for those who still want to, you know, have staff in their store, we're allowing them to immediately offer curbside pickup. And these are these are quick wins um, that they can recuperate cash. And then even and from, from a gift card perspective, I know that's a big source of revenue, yeah, uh, right. essentially over the holiday season. Shopify allows them to use these retail gift cards online. So it's a bunch of l- little strategies to help um, them. Yeah, so they can issue gift cards to, to members. And um, that's really interesting. Yeah. Do you help them? Like create a website for you know an e-commerce website or and host that for them or how did because that's I think for a lot of small businesses retailers they don't really have much online presence. Yeah, so Shopify has tons of um, resources that are essentially you watch videos, very easy to get up and running. A strength mm-hmm. is for sure just having resources that are easy to use, uh, whether it be someone that just starting out or whether it be, you know, a big company trying to do a training rollout sure. uh, to their wider team. So lots of resources. We have 24 seven support. Uh, we have excellent launch teams. So when our sales, uh, folks hand off, um, you know, our customers right. to our launch team, they're in good hands there as well. Who, you know, guide them in the right direction and help them go live. Got it. Okay, so you're how big a team do you manage now? Yes, yeah, so I have a team of eight right now, and so I wasn't always that big. So I got just going back to my journey at Shopify. Started out as account executive, got promoted to senior account executive, and then I just started managing uh, or leading a team last November or last October. So it's just mm-hmm. been over a year. Started out with a team of four, and then. Uh, slowly uh, doubled in size. Got it. So mm-hmm. maybe a bit of a loaded question, but relevant to this whole idea of, of our competition that we had is, is as at Shopify, have you received training on how to coach? That's a good question, Andy. So I would say at Shopify, there is a lot of accessible leadership training Mm-hmm. And of course, there's foundational sales training, and we have excellent enablement teams that enable us to coach. But from just a general coaching perspective, that's something I've had to learn, you know, from my, you know, my peers around me. I'm mm-hmm. very fortunate to have great mentors. Um, but I would probably say I had to invest a lot in myself this year as well. So, yeah. So tell us about that. So what? Because I. I think that's huge for anybody that wants to have a successful career in sales is to invest in their own development. So what what have how have you invested or what have you invested in over this past year? Yeah, for sure. So first of all, took a lot of recommendation going into the role. I'm a very overprepared person. So pretty much got every book recommendation, started listening to tons and tons of podcasts, whether, mm-hmm. whether it be general leadership podcasts or podcasts like yours, um, or just general sales podcasts as well. Mm-hmm. And then um, I've also taken courses. So I took a sales management course at Queens. Um, oh. Did, oh, interesting. Yep. Um, now, who, who taught that? Was it at a yeah, you know, an adjunct professor, somebody that's a you know practitioner that's doing it on the side, or is it part of a formal sales curriculum they have at that university? Yeah, so it's um it's a continued edu- or sorry executive education program mm-hmm. at Queens, and they have um 
they had various sales executives from pretty large companies. Um, mm-hmm. I know someone that was actually on your uh, on your podcast, David Premier. Oh, David, he, yeah. Yeah, he was a, a coach uh, or so he was a, a prof or an instructor right. for that program. So really, really good set of um, leaders who were able to share their experience, provide some framework. So uh, yeah, that was David's, super beneficial. David's, yeah, David's a smart guy, um, knows his yeah. stuff very well. Um, interesting. So I guess what inspired you to enter this the competition that we we had, the top? coach competition to be honest it was it was really um you know introduced to me by someone else who was on this podcast daniela belair she's uh, yeah she's she's my manager and she uh one of my mentors as well and she just really encouraged me to um get my feet wet uh after being in a year in sales leadership i thought okay Probably something I'm not ready to take a leap on, but she was like, "Hey, I think you're great. You should give it a try." So, I'm glad. Well, interesting, she- yeah. So Daniela's VP of of retail, right? Yes. So she is. Uh, she heads our sales team um, right. for retail. Yeah. Yeah. Well, very interesting. Well, that's good. So, um, hopefully, she was proud of the result. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. She was like, okay, way to rep our team. She's like, way to make me look good. <laughs> yeah, I was going to yeah. say. Yeah. Big thing for her. Excellent. Wow. So how would you um, how would you rate your strengths as a coach? You know, given a year of experience, what, what do you see as sort of like the places where you do a good job and maybe the area where you think, okay, as I continue to grow in my career, these are the areas I need to work on? Yeah, for sure. So I would say um, just in general, I do because I was an IC and mm-hmm. was pretty deep. I was doing it for a couple of years um, at Shopify. Um, I would say my relatability to the sales cycle and because I have you know a lot of acumen uh, in the product, I'm able to you right. know, ha- provide some credibility there. Um, other strengths are, you know, what I focus on as a coach is to help my reps learn and develop new skills. I think I've went, I've came a long way, um, from when I started just over a year ago to where I am now, uh, in terms of actually coaching versus just telling reps or giving reps advice. (laughs) I, I feel like I've definitely made some leaps and bounds there. Right. Um, but that's always going to be a thing. And I think if, if, for any new leaders out there who, who've ever uh, read Accidental Sales Manager, um, they'll probably be familiar. But it's, it's funny because the paradox of sales management is when you first get promoted, you essentially get paid to do less of what you were doing when you got promoted. Yep. So I was at the height of, you know, I was number one rep, name on the trophy, doing so well. Everyone came to me to, you know, ask questions for deal advice. Uh, and I thought when I first started coaching that this is what I need to do. This is how I'm going to immediately add value is I'm just going to basically create a clone of myself on my team <laughs> and just instill all the skills I've learned and help right. them just crush as many deals. And that's onto this blank canvas. <laughs> exactly. And obviously that is not it at all. Right. Um so I learned that pretty quickly. So I would say my strengths are, you know, for sure, just being able to tailor my coaching style to each of my reps because everyone is such so different. 
um, and learns differently. And then, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Yeah, I would just say being able to uh, apply what I've learned because I'm so obsessed with right. uh, learning to help them also um, develop those same skills and, and reinforce those same habits. Right. Yeah, if you haven't done already, and this is actually for people listening as well, because um, if you haven't read uh, both the books by fellow Canadian, Michael Bungay-Stanier, uh, first one called The Coaching Habit, which is to my mind, the best book about coaching that you can buy and read. And his more recent book, which just came out um, earlier in 2020, called The Advice Trap. And both Mm. talk about some of the things you're talking about, both short, very accessible, uh, hugely successful books. Um, Encourage you to read those. And and everybody who's listening who's interested in becoming a better better coach, because it's your instincts, you know, as you talk, you're on... You're on the right track. And, you know, these books will show you that coaching is more about how you help people arrive at solutions themselves, how you help them develop to the point where they become more self-sufficient in terms of how they conceptualize their problems and and what help they need from – what help they actually need from you. Um, And uh, The Advice Trap, yeah, great book about, yeah, not running too fast to offer advice as opposed to – coach people. So I think you'll enjoy both those. How often do you coach your team members? Yes. So I coach my every, every single rep on my team has at least a half an hour to an hour cadence with me every single week Mm -hmm. uh, for one-on-one coaching. And then as a team, we are practicing as a team and doing role plays for at least minimum two hours a week. Um, so we have two one-hour sessions, and then we also have our daily stand-ups where sometimes we do um, either a deal club uh, or role play where we're also getting right. in practice. How do you make the role plays as uh, authentic as possible? <laughs> That's a good question. So typically what we like to do for role plays is we're getting real-life examples. So if someone has an example call that they want to mm-hmm. share – Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe they struggled objection handling, for example. Right. We'll take that exact same scenario and we'll just reenact. So someone, we we essentially sign, assign three roles. One person is playing the sales rep. One person is playing the customer. And then one person is assigned as the key observer. And then, of course, after the role play is done, we kind of open it up to the group mm-hmm. uh, as well. And curious is after you've done one round do you like give feedback and have them do it again yep exactly so with any coaching that i do whether it be on a one-on-one setting or a group setting before we give any feedback whether it be the observer or myself or the rest of the group um, we have the person or the sales rep who's who's playing the sales rep of course Mm -hmm. um, do some self-discovery or self-evaluation and they give themselves feedback so what went well what would it what would they have done differently um so we do that and then we open it up for uh other constructive feedback and positive feedback of course as well yeah what one thing's in in the um your submission for the for the competition that i like that you talked about in the coaching was the importance of tone of voice and 
it's something that doesn't get spoken enough about in sales. And yeah, I've had reps that I've worked with in the past, sellers over my career that yeah, recommend they go take Toastmasters, right? And become a member of Toastmasters just to, because they, they have this problem um, with the tone of voice. They sort of get bound up a little bit. And and there's yeah, a lot of sort of credibility and confidence that flows through the tone of the voice. I was wondering, how do you coach that? To be honest, it's we the most effective way of coaching to tonality is playing back the call and have the rep listen to it and also have the rep listen to the response of the customer. And we do this in, in short snippets. And you just I typically just ask the rep, how do you think tone impacted the way the customer responded here? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I even go a step deeper, though, is, is in terms of helping helping them not just tone because I think the tone to serve two things. One to serve the the tone in terms of how I receive the message, but I think the other I was talking about more just the physical tonality of the voice as well. Is I've, I've unfortunately worked with people who <laughs> could have been good in sales, but they you know, the way they projected their voice and the way they use their voice. This, I think, is a serious topic. It just worked against them. Yeah, no, I think tonality is so important for sure because it 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 you know helps your credibility with the customer. It reflect it impacts completely how your messages are received or even the the way you ask questions. So I think mm-hmm. tonality is very important. Um, so yeah, I think how how I'd go deeper here is so number one, first we need to identify that the rep actually knows how their tone comes across. and i think that's you know playing back how they sound how the the type of response that is elicited by the the customer is the first step and then the second step is you know just providing direct feedback and then showing them what good looks like so either you know in a one-on-one session you can provide an example or just showing another example of a rep trying to convey the exact same message or the exact same set of questions. Right. And then it's the follow-up that's important after that. It's just role-playing. And I mean, a person's voice is a person's voice, but once they, once they understand how they sound, once they understand what good, good looks like and mm-hmm. they receive the feedback on how they can deliver um, or adjust their tone or pitch, et cetera, then they can just practice. And once you're able to practice in a one-on-one setting, then you can go and send them off on, and do homework and they can practice at home in the mirror or you know, record right. themselves or just listen to more of their calls. Um, but yeah, it's definitely targeted practice is important in this case. Yeah. Um, to, well, to- and we have the tools and technology now to make it so easy to record yourself and look at yourself um, yeah, back on video or listen to yourself on audio that, that, yeah, you do want to take advantage of that. Especially if someone like yourself is coaching someone and says, Hey, have you heard how you come across when you say this or, yeah, I think that's, it's underlooked and it's, I was glad you brought that up. Cause I think it's, I said overlooked oftentimes. So a question for you is along the same line. So is, is, mm-hmm. so if, if we were to, and this is, yeah hopefully a fun question is, is if we were to survey your team, what's the piece of sales advice they would tell us they're most tired of hearing from you? 
<laughs> that's a that's a good question. It would probably <laughs> so um what I try to nail down every single day is invest in yourself to get at least 1% better every single day. Um and the good thing is, you know, we're we're at Shopify and this is actually one of our core values is mm-hmm. you know uh own your own development. But we just we our reps are lucky in a sense that we give them so much. We have, you know, I would say a world-class enablement team. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm not going to speak to my own <laughs> sales coaching skills, but, you know, our sales co- coaches are here to uh, reinforce uh, the enablement programs that we ship out. Um, right. But we also give them so many resources, either internally or even just from a budgetary monetary perspective to go seek out, you know, read books, buy the books that you want to buy, take the courses you want to take. Um, so I would say probably the biggest feedback that they're probably a little bit tired of because, you know, we're beating this drum every single day um, is to invest in themselves and just get 1% better every day. I love it. That's my watchword as well. Okay, last question for you. In your opinion, yes. talking to new sales coaches here is, is what's the most important behavior for coaches to develop in themselves? It's a good question. Developing in themselves, I would probably say this. Um, and I, I think maybe sales managers at other organizations, this may exist. I, can't, I could be wrong, but this is just what I've mm-hmm. experienced a little bit is to focus less, I think as sales sales managers or, or sales coaches, you know, from a business perspective, our mandate is to drive business results. But I think we need to focus less on the business results and more on the people. And how to instill that in themselves is to uh, focus on lead measures versus leg measures. So the things... <clears throat> Mm-hmm. leading up to the results. So leg measures are something that you can't impact anymore. So if you think of a leg measure of, I want to lose 10 pounds to fit in these new jeans. Right. The lead measures would be the diet and exercise leading up to it. So I would say when you're focusing on your reps on an individual basis, what identify the things that are the lead measures that lead to the results. I like it. Very good. Mm-hmm. Well, good. Well, Nicole, this has been fantastic. And and congratulations again on winning our competition. And so glad you're able to join us. If people want to connect with you, how should they do that? Thanks so much, Andy. If they want to connect with me, you can search me up on LinkedIn, Nicole Porter, Nicole with an H. H, yes. Uh, Yep. But I'm there and ready to connect. Excellent. Well, again, Nicole, thank you so much. And um, look forward to talking to you again before too long. Yes. Take care, Andy. Thanks for having me. Okay, friends, that's it for this episode. First of all, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen. We're so grateful for your support of the show. And I want to thank Nicole Porter for sharing her insights with us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to this podcast, Sales Enablement with Andy Paul, on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you could also leave us a rating or a review and let us know how we're doing, well, we'd certainly appreciate that. You can do all that on your phone in less than a minute as soon as this episode is over. So thank you for your help. And thank you so much for investing your time with me today. Until next time, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone.